0: Hello, this is Owen Jones, welcome to the podcast. So, today, Alexis Sale, bit of an iconic comedian, really rose to fame in the 1980s with hilarious comedy. Part of a kind of struggle against Thatcherism in the arts, bit of an iconic part of that. And, I mean, he's an actor, he's been in Indiana Indiana Jones even, Uh, as well as many, many other things on the telly, Uh, TV presenter... He's a lot of things. Um, he's also a very political animal. He's firmly on the left. And what we talk about is the state of the left today, the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, Jeremy Corbyn, anti-Semitism. We talk about a lot of a lot of issues and we don't agree on everything. And that's what's important about this podcast is we have discussions, uh, including I speak to people where we agree on some things and not others. Or sometimes we don't agree at all. But we have lots in common, even if we do disagree. So it's a really interesting chat with an iconic Scouser comedian. Uh, just a bit of housekeeping. To help us keep the show on the road, uh, your support is hugely appreciated. Either on patreon.com forward slash owenjones84, where you get to suggest guests. That's why I'm speaking to Alexi, because so many people wanted me to speak to him. And the issues we talk about. Or use the supporter function in the podcast description. Please give us five star so, you know, gets the word out. And also, hit subscribe. With all of that, please listen to Alexi. Alexi, what a massive honour.
1: Yeah, well,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, though, before, when I just tried to say your name, before yeah. I start recording, it set off Alexa. Is that a recurring yeah. problem?
1: Um, it has happened before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear that? Yeah. No, She's I can't again. hear it. Is it. I'm setting it off now.
0: Yeah, I just, I mean, it's an, it's an issue. Sometimes we watch films and something that sounds a bit like Yeah, that. well,
1: it's difficult for me because I have to, you know, I have to say what is, I have to answer what's the population of the Ukraine or I have to play uh, music by R- Lou Rawls because, you know, if people say Alexi. You know, tell me a joke about a gynecologist. I have to do it.
0: You can do it for me. A lot, lot wittier and maybe more factual without. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: me joking. Otherwise, I don't want to get a legal letter from them. But also, um, I don't know if you heard about them because they started, um, there was this phenomenon where apparently, I'm not going to keep saying a name, but the those devices started randomly laughing all yeah. over the country. People, yeah. it's really disturbing. <laughs>
1: Well, they are, you know, they are laughing because, you know, they're laughing in triumph, aren't they, because, you know, we are their slaves. But they do listen in to you, don't they? If, you, if you're if you talking about, you know, uh, you know, Wellington Boots, then you start getting inundated with offers of Wellington Boots, don't you, because they're yeah, exactly. you, listening.
0: I exactly. mean, they are essentially spying them half of various yeah. Yeah. corporations. Yeah i just want to start how does tell me about lockdown come on tell me about lockdown for you well
1: um uh well actually because i was watching your interview with uh Stuart lee who i'm at this uh you know the usual circuit i think i'm going to interview on my podcast uh, <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> next week. uh but it, i think it was a similar experience really in that um yeah the first one you know you were you were you were taken with the novelty of it and uh yeah, the, the streets being silent and so on and so forth. But I am, a, a, but I am also, I am a coronavirus survivor hero because I did, I have had the disease.
0: Like, t- tell me about that. I, yeah. Seen, seen, well, seen well I,
1: that. I um, so like I mean, again, like Stuart, I was um, I was two thirds of the way through a tour and I'd played five nights in um, Liverpool. And um, I did the Liverpool uh, Literary Festival a, f- a few months ago, and the woman said that my uh, my gig had been a super spreader event because uh, she knew at least thirty people had fallen ill. But um, that was the week that they also Atletico Madrid played Liverpool, and although they weren't allowed to, football matches had been banned in um, in Madrid. They were allowed to travel to. Liverpool so I think that's ready but yeah so I anyway I got I got back I got back from Liverpool on about I think it was like March the 15th or something just before all the gigs were cancelled and then a couple of days later I had a I had um yeah mild symptoms of a cold for a few days and then I suddenly just fell off the cliff and and um, I was just very ill really just exhausted and my sense of I had this sudden sense of um, burning rubber in my nose And then my sense of taste and smell disappeared, and and, and still hasn't fully returned. Uh, And then I was ill for about a week, and then I kind of started to recover. It. I mean, yeah, that was my initial lockdown.
0: I'm glad you've I'm glad you've recovered. I'd say, I mean, without just lowering, injecting misery into it, but someone I know a uh, left wing academic named Ed Ruxby. Um, at the Ruskin College, and he got long COVID. He he was 45, fit and healthy, and he died over the weekend. Really, wow. Just shows how potentially...
1: Yeah, it's an odd... Um, great guy as well. Disease, yeah. yeah.
0: Let's talk about... I want to talk about you. So, you're... I mean, I find this fascinating because obviously I grew up seeing you on the telly. Not to make you feel old, but, I mean, I'm 36. I'm not exactly a spring chicken, let's be honest um and i respect you know my my dad my dad's a woolly back so he's not not uh not the genuine authentic uh scouse unfortunately but you of course are a scout as anyone can listen to i just want to tell you talk about how you got you know into comedy and tell me about the alternative comedy scene in the 1980s because it was a real focal point of dissent against the juggernaut of thatcherism at the time so i just want to hear about that how you got into it and 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 just how significant it was, I guess, for people who felt they were living under kind of cultural occupation in a very right yeah, way. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, well, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's hard. I mean, in a sense, it's hard to know where to start. I mean, I think I, uh, you yeah, know, both my parents worked in class. My dad worked on the railways, and my mother worked for um, football pools, pools, clock. Um, but they were both members of the Communist Party. So I'd slightly. Um, tray upbringing, uh, but I was, I was always, you know, it's a very literary household and stuff, but there a lot of books about and We went to the theater. Um, although, you know, as I said, because they were in the communist party when everybody else was going to see the Beatles, I was going to see the Red Army Ensemble, which was a, a choir composed entirely of uh, KGB torturers who would um, sing Roll Out the Barrel. Uh, but, um, so, uh, yeah, I was very unacademic at school, I but luckily uh, it, it was a golden era, It's that brief era when working classes were allowed to go to university and stuff, and so I went to art school because I was good at drawing. I went to Chelsea, uh, first of all I did two years of, at Southport Art School, where my mother actually went for my interview. And uh, then I, went, I, I got a place at Chelsea Art School, and I was at Chelsea for three years. Then uh, I was basically unemployed for about five or six years. But um, a friend of mine, uh, whose parents were also in the Communist Party back in Liverpool, he, uh, he, he, he was doing a, a, a cabaret, a kind of fringe theatre production of uh, songs and poems of Bertolt Brecht. And he asked me to be in it because I'd been in the school play with him uh, and then that fell apart after a, a while but there was me and one other guy left and uh, I just had this idea that you know there was no it's it's hard to describe really the you know the comedy landscape the live comedy landscape in, in Britain in the 70s but it was not all there was really there was a couple of folkies like um, uh, Billy Conley or Jasper Carrot, like Harding but they, they, you know, they they weren't kind of hip, you know. Um, but apart from that, it was just these terrible kind of racist working men's club comedians like um, Bernard Manning and stuff. And so I just had a sense that uh, you know there was a market, there was a gap there. And so I, me and this other guy, we started we started doing a kind of a sketch show. There was also stand up comedy. But our big, the big breakthrough was when Peter Rich, uh Peter Rosen got, and Don Ward opened the Comedy Store in 1979, in a strip club in Soho, and that that was where, because although I'd been doing stand-up comedy, I'd been I didn't know anybody else who was doing it. It wasn't a movement, you know. To to have a movement, you need to, a kind of group of people. And through the Comedy Store, I met Peter Richardson, Nigel Planer, Eric Mayle, Adrian Edmondson, and then later on uh, Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders, Keith Allen, Tony Allen and uh you know that was the start of the revolution that is uh that that is the you know that is the start of i was the mc as well they offered me the job of mc and it wouldn't have you know i was i mean uh, um yeah british comedy would have changed anyway but it uh, because i was i kept the comedy store going in the early months and it it would have had a different character i think if i hadn't have, have, uh, kept it going so i was i think that people like uh, Michael McIntyre and Jack White all really, you know, they wouldn't exist without me, so they owe me a kind of royalty. If they just you know, give me a small royalty, I'd be very good. Very...
0: Yeah, I think legally that's probably what's required, There really, should it? be
1: a there should be a fund, really. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Yeah,
0: yeah they're, they're, saying, mid- they're lots <laughs> of standing on your shoulder just <laughs> stealing from your from your cultural contribution. Well, that's been noted. Yeah, I mean, when you look back at Thatcher, I mean, because obviously, I mean, I found it, you know, like I was, well, I mean, when Thatcher was kicked, uh, beat it out, uh, I was six. I remember I was taking on a. I remember I was, a, we lived in Falkirk in Scotland at the time, hence my impenetrable Scottish accent. And um, we went to my parents, who were, your your parents were communist, mine were in the militant Trotskyist organisation, for those who don't know. Uh, but I remember going on a march in Glasgow against the poll tax and blah, blah, blah. And I was brought, you know, Thatcher was the ultimate baddie. Yeah. It's like, you know, don't, if you're naughty, Thatcher will come and get you. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but just tell me, looking back, because it's a while now, obviously, she was removed from office over three decades ago now. And um, that Thatcherism remains dominant in lots yeah. of So how do you look back at that whole period now? Well, it
1: was. Um in a sense it was very different i mean I was obviously there was half the country that hated her and they and, and they were the people who were our audience and then i suppose there was half the country that were in in love with her really and, and you know um uh i mean it was it was the beginning of what of what we have today i suppose a really you know a really polarized um you know, and there's—I mean—it's an illusion, really, isn't it? You know, there's this illusion that really Thatcher—he um, sorted Britain out economically, whereas in fact, you know, Britain had a much higher GDP, a much broader manufacturing base before she got into power than than when she left power, and and now—and now. and it's a, it's a, it's a kind of lie that um, she, you know, rebuilt. I mean, she just essentially closed down all industries apart from the arms trade and um banking i always think really uh so you know sort of you know kind of kill people or rob them uh but it was um it, it i mean it was uh I mean, obviously, there was the the, the all that had been. It was different. It was different, and I know Stuart's always fascinated by this. It was different in that you know, housing was still cheap. There was still council housing. There was still subsidised venues. um, uh, You know. you know, there was the remains of that, all that kind of social capital that had accrued, but obviously it was started to be frittered away. There was, you could still go, um, you still got a full grant if you went to, you know, university or art school and your fees paid and and everything. So all that still existed, but it was, um, you know, I, when I was thinking of something like, uh, you know, I mean, the GLC, which provided a kind of alternative left-wing power base uh, for to Thatcher, and she just abolished it, really. And it's, I mean, that's extraordinary, extraordinarily anti-democratic that she just that they, you know, the Tories abolished. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know whether it would happen in other countries, but that um, they just destroyed the GLC, you know, which was a fun, you know, highly functioning, highly efficient. Uh, local you
0: know yeah for and, those who don't know the the greater london council and they uh yeah. they um obviously supported i mean they were pioneering they support for example lgbtq organizations at a time that was very popular but yeah yeah, yeah we, they, 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 um, they uh put on city hall which is obviously just down the way from westminster at the time and um, the house of commons didn't they they put on the unemployment figures uh, yeah put on this massive billboard uh or flashing up above city hall
1: yeah I always thought they were boasting about that, really. <laughs> but uh, it seemed a bit like they were like, well, I can't on, any unemployed people." Um, yeah, uh, but it was. I mean, it was just. You know, it's. You know, we think of of of. You know of of you know at the kind of the 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 I don't know the the, the really. Um, anti democratic states as being now, but that was pretty fucking bad, really. And also, you know, the minor strike taking up, you know, making the unions, um, you know, making the, the, the union uh, leaders personally responsible for death so that they would they could be put in prison and stuff. It's pretty fucking nasty, shit, you know.
0: Looking back, how would you compare this lot of Tories to the Tories you so hilariously? <laughs> and eloquently railed the gates back in the 1980s?
1: Well, um, you know, my parents, uh, Yeah, I like to listen to alternative voices, really, of not of my political persuasion, in a sense. My parents, by and large, only like, you know, only like voices that confirm their worldview. So there's a journalist I like very much called Peter Oborn, uh, who's very right-wing, but is also uh, um, very principled, I think um and he uh he's just written a book about the rise of political lying where he obviously talk about boris johnson who's a, a, a compulsive liar uh you know has been sacked many times from you know various newspapers and stuff for lying and uh, from the ministerial post i think and he he compared he sort of sees thatcher as a, as a model of, of of probity really that she uh, you know she played by the rules i'm not entirely convinced about that that um that thatcher uh you know was were kind of a model of ethics and uh and kind of corinthian sporting yes. values well played Sarah. i doff my hat to you uh where you know but I, mean, I'll you, but I mean what is different about today and which is i think profoundly disturbing and it's not just the government but it's a a wider cultural problem is that obviously in in my day when i was coming up it was advantageous to be left-wing the left-wing uh voices were encouraged and you know as part of the a vital part of the discourse and it you know it, it kind of um you know profited your career to uh, to be left-wing or pretend to be left-wing as a comedian and now i think very much left-wing you know we are living through a I don't know where we are in the kind of mccarthyite cycle but that we are living through a period when left wing voices are under profound uh, attack and uh, I think it's a very dangerous time that we're living through and in that way that's certainly true I don't know whether whether Thatcher would have would have I mean certainly, I don't know whether culturally she cared much one way or the other but that is a huge difference between now and and then really I think
0: so Tell me what you, th- what you mean by that. Let's flesh that out.
1: Well, it's just you know the whole you know just the the, the suppression really of of, uh, of um, you know socialism, socialist voices, attacks on socialist voices. Um, you know, you know, I'm clear. You know, specifically the. Um, the lies and distortions that were told about Jeremy Corbyn from the moment he, um, you know, took office, really—that that, uh, that uh, you know there was a there was a, a, an extraordinary assault on you know a decent, you know, painting this decent, ridiculously honourable man as a as a racist and as you know a Russian spy and various other smears that they tried. And, uh, you know, I think that that you know, those, those, uh, those, are, those are kind of attempts at McCarthyism are continuing attacks on, you know, Ken Loach and people like that, uh, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's very disturbing. I think it's, you know, I, I, I um, you know, I think socialists, you know, there's a large, there's a large group of people who believe in socialism in this country. They are not really. Their voices are not allowed to be heard. They're being paid from the Labour Party. Uh, they're being, I think, being there's, you know, they're being paid from the media, and uh, you know, it's just, it's just me, really. I'm...
0: <laughs> I mean, on that, I mean, uh, because obviously, look, I'm not Jewish. I'm a, I'm a guy, and, uh, I mean, on anti-Semitism. So my position was always that. Jeremy Corbyn is clearly not anti-Semitic, and the vast majority of the Labour membership aren't anti-Semitic either, and are poor anti-Semitism. But that there was a minority who either were anti-Semitic, and I know that because I've got a Facebook page and I had to remove people who said gratuitously anti-Semitic things, and others who were just very tone-deaf about how they would speak about it. And that caused upset amongst Jewish people, including Jewish people I know who voted for Jamie Corbyn. So it wasn't like they were kind of people who were not dis- predisposed to him. They voted for him in both leadership elections. So I just wondered about that, because obviously, look, I always find this difficult to talk about, not least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I, you know, that there was... I mean, I guess the way that Jewish people I'm close to explain it to me is that if you're part of a minority that suffered 2,000 years of persecution and at times things seem fine, you're accepted. And then just like that, the wind's change, you have to move. And that's the history of being Jewish throughout history. There's this sensitivity. But I'm now goysplaining a hey, Jewish person. So that's not great. <laughs> but that's that's the position put to me. And what I know people who... Take John Landsman. John Lansman founded Momentum. He was instrumental in the rise of corbynism both leadership elections he helped run tony Benn's deputy leadership campaign in 1981 and he would say there's a problem with anti-semitism amongst the minority that has to be dealt with and he's i've seen the stuff he gets and i kind of like oh my grim yeah i mean that so i just kind of think i always called it walk and chew gum that is possible to believe that Jeremy Corbyn is definitely not anti-Semitic, and the vast majority of Labour members are not anti-Semitic. But it don't is... you
1: think that what you know Jeremy said that the, the the you know the scale of it was vastly exaggerated for political purposes? Don't you think that's the case?
0: I mean, I suppose the problem I have with that is that I just think the kind of the best way of approaching it would be to say that wherever there's anti-Semitism, it's a problem, and we should do more to get rid of it. I don't know i mean and that because i know lots of jewish people who would say if you look at the statistics of reports about anti-semitism which the statistics it's obviously a very small number but there are lots lots of examples of any form in in society most racism generally isn't reported um, and that the kind of more emotionally intelligent way to go about it is to go wherever it is, it's a problem, and we need to do more to get rid of it.
1: Um, but don't you think it's, like, bizarre that a lot of, you know, people who are being, you know, expelled from the Labour Party for anti-Semitism are Jewish? Don't you think that's just strange? You know, there a lot of the, the, the you know, the, the people I know who are, like, you know, I feel like somebody like Moshi Makava, for instance, who has been, you know, suspended is not, you know, is a is an Israeli Jew don't you think that's odd that uh somebody like that can be suspended for anti-semitism yeah i mean don't you think it was weaponized it is being weaponized to as an attack on on um on left-wing voices as a generalized attack because most most uh people who are left-wing will be pro-palestinian and therefore
0: look, look i'll be honest i've you know, because of my support for Jeremy Corbyn and for the Palestinian struggle for national self-determination. Of course, I've had that against me. But, I, I mean, I just always, when I speak to Jewish people, including Jewish people on the left, and I can see that their anger and upset is real, that it's not contrived, it's real, then in the same way that if, a black person was talking about their lived experience or a Muslim was talking about their lived experience, then I just think, you know, I have a responsibility to listen. And obviously there are, except that in any minority, there's always a range of views. But I just, it seemed that all the evidence pointed to the, a very large majority of Jews, including those who'd voted Labour before, seemed, you but know, they, distress.
1: Yeah, I, well, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, clearly there are, you know, anti-Semitism is a real thing. There are multiple studies that show that people on the left are much less inclined towards hatred of Jews than uh, than people on the right or people of of no political persuasion at all, and that it was used as a, you know, it was used and is being used as a tactic. You don't kind of accept that?
0: I think that. You'd hope, you'd expect the left to be... Because sometimes what I heard, and this is what I found a bit difficult, I think, was when people said um, that... Wow. Nice.
1: Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. Anti-Semitism exists in society and therefore it exists in the Labour Party. And of course, that's, that's true. But if we're the left, we're like the vanguard against, we're not there to replicate the bigotries in society. We're there to destroy them. So if there's any bigotry in our ranks, that's a problem. And I just felt, so one thing I would think, I do think there is this issue, which is leftism, as I understand it, socialism understands capitalism as a series of competing power relations and social forces. It's kind of broadly Marxist perspective, I suppose. And, there's another element which is kind of conspiratorial, which doesn't see injustice as about competing social forces, but as about shadowy individuals pulling strings behind the scenes. And that conspiratorial mindset always leads to anti-Semitism and has do- I mean, anti-Semitism is basically the deadliest conspiracy theories ever devised. So people will talk about the Rothschilds who I think the one thousandth, one hundredth richest family on earth, rather than the financial sector and finance capital, and I do think a small minority, and I do need to emphasise that it's a small minority, are end up attracted to the left, when actually their mentality isn't of being of the left, which is a fighting injustice, but about fighting conspiracies, and there's a kind of weird tangent that's emerged. And I'd say that's a small minority. I just think yeah. the reason that many Jews, including left-wing Jews, felt aggrieved was they felt they came across that in their lived experience against them. And then there were people saying, it's all a smear, it's all a smear. And they felt they were being gaslit because they were like, well, I've experienced this personally. Rather than them saying, I'm really sorry that you felt You've, you've felt this and we need to do more to make you feel safe. I've said a lot. And again, I'm not Jewish and this is. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming out.
1: on my podcast. And uh well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I think I broadly disagree with your, your analysis of what's happened. I think, you know, I, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, that left wing voices are under attack, but you know, I'm interested to hear
0: your. Oh, they definitely are. No, I know that. Yeah. In- including, look, well, I mean, without getting a violin out, I've been beaten up by Nazis. I mean, the left-wing <laughs> voices are definitely definitely under attack and, uh, you know, my timeline and my emails and all the rest of it and the number of...
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that not me I'm not being on social media is, uh, I can't, I can't, I mean, why would you want to, why would you want to <laughs> just be assaulted by, you know, I mean, well, you, you've been assaulted by ourselves both physically and uh, online, but I mean... Why? I can never understand
0: why masochism. anybody... sheer really. masochism. Because yeah. I don't think I'm going to lie on my deathbed thinking, "Oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd spent more time arguing with Barry five six nine about why I'm really a yeah. commie bastard." Um, on let's talk about bright browning out. So, in terms of talk about Labour now, generally Keir Starmer no. uh, Labour. What are your, what are your thoughts? Fucking hell,
1: yeah, <laughs> not a fan. Not a fact. I mean, it, it, it you know, I mean, well, it's it sort of, you know, I mean, you know, my history is obviously that I was on the, um, my, you know, was on the, on the more radical left, and I was completely uninterested in the Labour Party. It was only when uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, took over that uh, I thought there might be some possibility within the Labour Party. Um and then uh once actually one of the things I did in lockdown was once uh once he'd he he he'd left power, I actually read all these um books about the Labour Party. The history of the Labour Party. And um, you know, it's it's one of the interesting things is that the kind of Corbyn phenomenon, it's not the first time that it's happened that first of all it happened with a in nineteen thirty five with a guy called George Lansbury, who again I think like Corbyn was an entirely decent um uh principled man and was assaulted by the the right wing of his party uh and then of course michael foote uh and then corbyn really but it it, it, it um i mean my my feelings about the labor party before corbyn know, is that it really exists not to facilitate socialism but really to to, to to stop socialism, that it, it it exists to drain off, you know, those, those socialist influences in, in Britain and really kind of bog them down in the kind of proceduralism and uh, despair and, uh, you know, and really it's been the, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I suppose it's also, that's a flaw in our, in, in our kind of, uh, parliamentary system of you know the, the first past the post really but uh, and 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 um in a sense uh, Starmer is just going through that uh you know going through that process again that he's uh he's he's just uh, you know he's um he's retaining it to its right wing. Uh but he's amazingly ruthless about it, I think. And, and it's kinda of cack handed in a way as well. And he's also, I think he's got these, I mean, it is, it is a, you know, it's an anomaly, I think, in many ways, um, uh, you know, having a knight of the realm and, uh, you know, somebody who's been at the forefront. I don't know why people, you know, people call him a, a human rights lawyer. Well, you know, yeah, but he was for a bit, but after that, he was a, you know, he was an agent of the state repression as director of public prosecutions.
0: Ooh, so absolutely. Uh,
1: <laughs> Wow. How, just, how... Just, come on? Come on, justify the Labour Party to me. Come on.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, oh, cool. oh, feisty one you are as <laughs> the in betweeners. Uh, just a little homage. Um, well, I mean, I suppose the way I would look at it as a socialist is, and I didn't vote for, I mean,
1: I, I must say, you are. I mean, I have to excuse I mean, you're. You know, you campaign and you're in the Labour I mean, my, my job, my role is to stand on the sidelines and sneer. So, uh, yeah,
0: but know, I mean, I, I do a lot to... of that as well. I'm often accused of doing <laughs> that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't, I, as a, I voted for Rebecca long is because I'm on the left and she was the left-wing candidate. I've always voted for the left-wing candidate in every leadership election. I guess the way I look at the Labour Party is because one thing you just said is our electoral system. And I just think every attempt to create, a party to the left of the labor has died a terrible death because of the electoral system, but also because of the trade union link. Um, obviously obviously labor was founded unlike other similar parties to be the political wing of the labor movement. And, uh, that gives it an organic link with working people and their families and so on and their communities. And if that was severed, then I'd be like, well, that's not anything worth claiming or fighting for. But I think because of that, it is. And I think if you can build extra parliamentary pressure and you have a left within the Labour Party, they can have a double-pronged kind of pressure on the leadership. That's my hope anyway.
1: How's that working out for you?
0: Well, I mean, to be fair, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so it's quite hard to mobilise. Yeah. But and then I kind of think, when people say, how's that working out for you? I'd be like, how's it working out? Creating something outside the Labour Party. I mean, that's... Yeah,
1: that's a, yeah. Well, yeah. If you sort of if you raise people's hopes and then dash them, isn't that worse than, you know, worse than sort of raising them in the first place? You know. I mean, I was, I was happy before Corbyn. I mean, damn you, Corbyn, in a way, for raising my hopes. You know, what I mean, it's like I was happy just you know sneering at Blair and Ed Miliband, and then, and then you fucking raise my hopes. You make me believe. And then my hopes are dashed again. This little fucking wooden thunderbird puppet is now in charge, you know. It's like, it's tragic. I've You know, I've suffered, lots, Owen.
0: Lots of oofs. Can I ask, um, so one of the reasons Labour didn't win the election both times is that there's a generational divide that's opened up. So when you were railing against Thatcher in 1983, a lot of people don't realise this because there's this kind of caricature of People start off left-wing, then they the University of Life schools them, and they become really, really right-wing. But actually, in 1983, when Labour got a kicking, um, you, the Tories had a lead amongst young people. They had a lead in every single age group. And young people, people under the age of 25, over 40% voted for the Tories, about 33% voted Labour. So it wasn't that different from the rest of the population. And in 1987, pretty much easily e- evenly split the young between Tories and Labour. If you look at 2017 and 2019, young people, and I mean, including, I'm going to throw myself in because under 40, it's tenuous, but under 40, particularly in 2017, no precedent for people under the 14 voting Labour in the numbers they did. But, your generation, and there are exceptions, you are one, my mum is one, um, but, Boomers, if we're going to just be brutally honest about it, overwhelmingly voted Conservative in numbers that are unprecedented. So I would ask, what has happened there? Why are you an exception? You are an exception amongst your generation. Your generation now is overwhelmingly supporting the Conservatives and uh, only a small, less than 20% supported Labour in either election. I'm not doing this for generational warfare thing. I'm just interested as a left-wing boomer, why are you the exception when young people are supporting Labour in unprecedented numbers now? Um,
1: well, I think, well, there's, there's several, I mean, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, um, you know, because I started out on the left and I never really wanted to make that journey. You know, you do see a lot, you know, there's a lot of those, I mean, a lot of them shit on the right wing of the Labour Party kind of. Uh, uh, started out as left wing didn't they and then they sort of I, I i they 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 go through that arc of like becoming right wing and i kind of never think it's really a a journey they've just gone from one being one kind of arsehole to another kind of arsehole. but uh, i never i was you know i just you know i believe in being left wing my parents are left wing and and you know my audience is left wing so there is a and i never wanted to go on that i never wanted any of those blandishments of the state so there's that yeah, my own personal um, stance, uh, and I just think being left wing is right. You know, being a socialist, being pro Palestinian, you know, is a is a barometer of of decency. I think uh, being you know being against uh, exploitation is you know is a good thing to be. So there's that. I think I want you know I wonder. I suppose what has changed for young people in from my is that their lives were kind of okay during Thatcher. their lives were still you know i was talked about that you know that the, 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 the thatcher hadn't set about you know fully you know there was still you could still go to university you could still get and you could still rent or buy an house cheap and now young people's lives are much shittier than but people my age their lives are kind of okay still i think really a lot of them yeah, you know, they've got their houses, they've got their pensions. Do you think that's you know?
0: Yeah, I suppose you're that making me
1: answer for everybody. You're making me answer for everybody in my generation.
0: No, not at all. I mean, I guess no, I just find it interesting because um that generational divide is, is unique. It's it's not really something that's existed. When
1: I I would show you on the telly somewhere, you were saying that like somewhere like Turkey, the the young people are actually really right wing.
0: Hungary as well, not great. Yeah, I mean there is. So the U.S., Spain, Britain, like Bernie Sanders was powered obviously a lot by the young, even though he's a septuagenarian. Podemos in Spain again by the young, and Corbyn's Labour was was definitely by 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 the younger in terms of voters. But in other countries, it's yeah, it's not a universal law. Unfortunately, What's the,
1: well, where's the difference then? Why you know with somewhere like Hungary? Why?
0: it's complicated. I mean, to be fair in Hungary, a lot of young, a lot of younger people who aren't happy, leave. Uh, no. They've had a big exodus of people. I think, I do think what's happened here is what you alluded to. I think, amongst older Britons, home ownership's gone up since the crash in 2008. Yeah. Quantitative easing puts up their house prices. The triple lock rightly protects their pensions, I support that, of course. Um so, social democracy has been preserved for them in a sense. So, it's not like they need to vote and campaign for social democracy because they already benefit from it. They have universal services, which are correct, even though actually a lot of them undermined. But as well as that, they're often very socially conservative. Not always, striking exceptions. My mum is one. Uh, but there are, you know, on immigration, multicultural Islam, if you look at that, you know, compared to the rest of the population. Whilst younger people have suffered the worst squeeze in wages since the Napoleonic War housing crisis secure jobs crisis youth services slash in-depth for going to university uh, plus they tend to be more a lot more socially progressive so I think it's those two different things
1: and that's why they should young people should come and see me
0: yeah you'll radicalize them
1: yeah' I'll, I'll super out well, they're already radicalized I'll super radicalize them They say there's this old bloke and he's still you know shouting about
0: socialism and it's what funny what do you see the role of political comedy as?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I mean, I think, I mean, you can get very pretentious really, but, but I mean, I think there is a oh. kind of a, you know, the comedians, not all comedians, but, you know, there is a, you know, we are, you know, we are the ones who are supposed to, to you know, stand, you know, to, to criticise the establishment, to criticise power. That is this kind of sacred role that is. I mean, not, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of room for the clown is merely you know funny you know it's not an obligation but there should be a there should be a you know there 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 should be a, a kind of a cast of comedian that does the critics' power, really, and that was, I suppose, one of the disappointing things about during the court, you know, the Corbyn era, was how most comedians legged it away. You know, you couldn't get somebody more anti-establishment than Corbyn. You know, he wanted rich people to pay their taxes. He wanted the arms industry to stop killing people. You know, he wanted fairness. And you know, really, the, the most comedians, you know, just sneered at him, didn't they? Really
0: those ideas are very popular aren't they so I guess how it's kind of that's why I get optimistic millions of people believe in those things so it's about how we, how yeah. we capture yeah
1: yeah 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 and if you know if there was if, if uh, you know if there ever was a socialist government in Britain I hope that I would you know I would mock that equally really that would be my that would be be my job you know that's the that's the role of the comic book it's uh, it's not likely in the near future really is it
0: You wouldn't want to be culture minister? No, no, no. No, no, I wouldn't. No,
1: I never... Well, on my own podcast, I I had this idea that I was going to be... If Corbyn had come to power, I would have been defence minister (laughs) because I'm obsessed. (laughs) Bizarrely, I'm obsessed with weapons and military and stuff like that. What, Uh, What gives you hope? Gives me hope? Oh, I can help. Um... Uh, well, you know, there was. Uh, that's a dirty question, isn't it, to ask somebody? Uh, it is.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a i How it. dare you ask me what gives me hope? What a filthy question to ask. Um,
0: come on, TikTok.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there was. You know, Corbyn started something. You know, I I hope that it is. Um. Uh, you know, that that there will be a. A more coherent and better response next time round, really. As I say, I do. I I think we're living in particularly dark times, but uh, uh you know, in a way, I don't know. Maybe um I'm still going. That's you I'm are very strong.
0: Better. Do you worry? Just to get really depressing. Do you worry some form of fascism might succeed in the West?
1: Well, it's it's a, it's a possibility, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's um. I mean we haven't really seen the the fallout from uh, the economic fallout from the pandemic yet have we that if uh, if the economy really goes south which it's possible that it will do then you know political extremism really will will possibly be on the rise yeah I worry about that
0: And in terms of just finally I mean a new generation of comics because you've said a lot of comics did sneer but I think of Josie Long, he must be protected at all costs. Yeah. So so do you see see your hope in that regard? Do you see that there are actually, in comedy included, people who are... Because you do get the sort of comedian who punches down, and that's their shtick. But then you do have comedians who want to take on the people who actually have power in a funny way. So there is that your tradition lives on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they are. They're all, you know, Josie Long. You know, you know, they're they're, they're the, the younger ones. They're all my children, really.
0: Mark Steele, to be fair, is not so young. Yeah, than Mark Steele.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Stuart is well. He's my he's my errant he's my errant nephew. I think
0: absolutely love Stuart. We all love Stuart.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's also, I suppose, you know, I mean, if if um. If 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 the times get more fraught, then that's you know that can be good for art as well. People, you know, people are forced to take sides. People are forced to, um, you know, respond. I think. So I mean, maybe it'll be. I I think in a way we're heading for frightening times, but maybe artistically they're also very exciting as well. Maybe that's a weird kind of hope.
0: And and if if you were. If there's, I'm sure there are wannabe comedians watching or listening to this. What would you, what would you say to them? It,
1: it, well, it, in, in what sense?
0: Well, I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's a tough gig, isn't it? In, in every regard. Yeah. It, but what would you? Because also, as you said, you know, one of the things I spoke to with Stuart Lee was about because actually of the attack on the Welfare State, it used to be the case that aspiring working class musicians and 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 comedians and artists have writers they had support and that's gone and now it's like go and work in a call center immediately and then you yeah can't.
1: yeah i know it's it, it's very hard it's very hard but you know i mean i mean comedy is not a, you know if you want to be a comedian and again it's it, i think it is much harder now and it's i know Stuart, it's one of Stuart's, you know obsessions that it you know it was easier in the past um but if you want to be a comic then it, it you can't do it theoretically you have to find a way to do it really you have to just get out there and um, perform you know um and it's difficult now you know it's because are a lot more posh kids you know as in music and in comedy as well there are there are there are a lot more posh kids out there but you just like you know i can't think of any other way to do it apart from just doing it forcing your way through really
0: And do you think the problem with that is, because obviously everyone's a prisoner of their background, but the problem is that if you have so many people from similar backgrounds, then it just becomes harder to have interesting life experiences, which often inform comedy and music. They get taken away.
1: Yeah, I think that... um... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that sort of... uh... You know, my girlfriend did this. My girlfriend did that, and there's a lot of, you know, you you, you've got to, you've got to try and be more authentic than, you know, just the, the, the banal, uh, you know, you got to back,
0: you know. And finally, what is the one happy thing? Well, uh, <laughs> you, you to, when the pandemic subsides and we can just do, we can do stuff again. What's your
1: one big yeah. plan? What are you planning? On oh God, I don't know. Um, I mean, we're all going to go sort of nuts, aren't we? Really, but uh, uh, I, I, there's there's so there's so many. Uh, I don't know. There's so many. There's so you know. There's there's so much really to. Um, I don't know. So much. It's, it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to. I, I mean, you just. You run around the streets, kind of just, you know, kind of touching people. I don't well, that, that, might, that might be a bit problematic.
0: Maybe avoid. Right. Yeah, create,
1: better
0: uh, to, no. um, <laughs> um yeah, I, I mean, I will be. I, I mean, I will be a disgrace in to imply not connected I'm to sort of what yeah. you said in a consensual way. Um, yeah, I mean, will you be back touring? Will you be back out on the?
1: Yeah, it's it's. Um, yeah, I mean I was it's difficult isn't it because it, 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 I mean I think and I think Stuart said this and when, when I was looking at, on your podcast as well that when I the show that I was doing which had been written in the latter part of and which your newspaper the guardian said was the best stand-up comedy of um 2020 but then Richard Herring very cruelly pointed out that it was probably the only stand-up comedy of 2020 which was I thought was a bit
0: Did you... <laughs> i you rude rude little man i know bastard I um know.
1: Uh, but uh yeah um but it was a perfect show that like um uh it, it it brilliantly summed up the zeitgeist of like late 2019 the the early 2020 you know it was like fantastically uh, you know summed up the anger of the post kind of 2019 election and um encapsulate you know and it it you know you thought well what could come along that could possibly disrupt that you know what could possibly uh uh you know happen? You know, I'll get a good year, I'll get a good two years out of this this show. You know, this is gonna remain current and topical. Oh, this all oh I could be able to milk this for two years. Um and you know in, in you know within 2 months it was fucking dead so i don't know whether i can go out and you know do a show that uh uh you know that show can, Well, like i think Stuart said the same, can you do can you do it like as nostalgia uh you know do you remember 2019 do you remember how angry we felt about the election you know a lot of the material so i'm going to have to like write a whole new film. you know usually you get 2 years out of a live show I got like twenty-seven gigs, um, so I may have to like right. And it, the other thing is, I mean, it, whether um, whether people will whether they'll only want you to talk about the pandemic, or whether they won't want you to talk about the pandemic at all.
0: That's what I can't work out. You know, I yeah. after the pandemic, like, will there be lots of films and TV dramas? About this, or will people for a long time be like, "I don't want to think about this."
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like Hollywood didn't really start making films about Vietnam until like ten, fifteen years after, did it? Really, you know. Yeah, and
0: also, I do think I sometimes think I've got a niece, a beautiful little girl, two years old, and I kind of think in ten years she'll be like, "Oh, what was it like? It must have been," and it's actually quite boring most of the time.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's certainly true, but it's 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 certainly, it's difficult to know. I mean, you'll have to. I think I'll have to. If I'm gonna go back to stand up, then I'll have to go out and um, you know just find out what people want to want to hear about really.
0: Uh... Yeah. I mean who knows because it is, as you say, it's like this weird iron law since 2015 that however completely extreme you thought the year before was, it will always get more extreme. Uh yeah. like you know 20 2016 was like oh now Trump's president and then it just carried on going and then at the end of 2019 you're like well this couldn't get any worse at least
1: yeah
0: and there we have it um it was a big honor I can't say your name because I don't want to sell <laughs> my device in the corner so I will say Mr. Sale.
1: Yeah thank you uh, yeah yeah I hope I wasn't uh too
0: dull. No, you weren't at all. It was great to chat to you, a a king. A king amongst men and comedians. With a fantastic beard, which gives me I'm looking. Envy.
1: I'm just looking at my... I'm looking particularly Santa-ish today, aren't I, really? It
0: seems to be a common thing amongst comedians. Stuart Lee had the similar affliction. I do yeah, get yeah, beard yeah. envy. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've not gone through puberty, so... Uh. <laughs> despite being 36. No, that's, that's just not true. I was just, I, if I try growing a bit, I look like I'm going through the violent pose of puberty. So I tend to avoid it. Um, but it was a big honor and, uh, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. We've got so much more to come. Do support us on Patreon.com forward slash Owen 84, or the support function in the podcast description give us those 5 stars you know you want to and we will speak to you soon
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend